Coming up, an away mission puts Mariner and the Lower Decks crew in a life-threatening situation as their fantasies become real-life nightmares. Gina Marino, my seventh grade geology teacher? <laughs> Meanwhile, Tiddy struggles to find her voice as she begins senior officer training. But maybe it's like also a test? Because I just really want to take a test? Tendy. Does it matter how much you know if nobody's listening? Will the Lower Decks away team figure out why their dreams have come to life before they actually get killed by them? What was that thing? Guys, I don't think that was a fantasy. I think these broken rocks are reading our nightmares. Will Tendy get the courage to speak up to Captain Freeman and save the Cerritos? It has an anomalous molecular composition. I'm actually getting some pretty interesting readings. Stop talking. It's clearly not fancy. All of this and more coming up on the Lower Decks edition of Energize. 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 We're satirically going into the uncharted regions of the Star Trek universe. You're listening to Energize, a Star Trek Lower Decks edition podcast. Your source for hilarious analysis, colorful debate, and fun discussions about adventures of Ensign Beckett Mariner and the USS Cerritos Lower Decks crew. I'm your host, Anthony McLemore. And I'm Steve Truitt. This week, Mariner and the Lower Decks crew's secret fantasies come to life. Will they be able to stop them in time enough to save their lives and the peace negotiations between Federation scientists and the inhabitants of a nearby world? Here's a Warp Speed recap of Episode 3 of Star Trek Lower Decks, Mining the Mind's Minds. Psychic Minds. They read your thoughts and bring your fantasies to life, then turn you to stone. What do we do if our fantasies appear? If anything should try to tempt you, you know, think about Parisi squares. Samantha, you want to come over here and help me design some galaxy-class starship engines? No, leave me alone! Ensign Boimler, the Borg are attacking. Starfleet needs that Boimler magic. Yes, sir, Admiral. Let's go. Dude, come on. Hey, babe. I was about to go yell at Ransom. Want to come watch? Is that your fantasy? No, we're, no, but we have to ignore these totally inaccurate fantasies at all costs. What was that thing? Guys, I don't think that was a fantasy. I think these broken rocks are reading our nightmares. Well, you guys lucked out. You're getting the full Cerritos experience today. Okay, so Anthony, this week was great because we opened on another familiar echo from Star Trek lore, and that is being on a strange planet and seeing dreams or echoes of things that you've dreamed about in the past. We've seen this a lot. We saw it in TOS and TNG. What are you doing in space? And in a revealing toga. Don't worry about all that, Tony. Come here. Let me brush your hair. You can tell me about that race car novel you're writing. And, and what was really funny to me is in, in this cold open, the open before the actual... Uh, lower decks open we see this geologist he's coming up on a green orb and then all of a sudden this really attractive woman appears which was his uh, <laughs> right. geology teacher and she touches his hand and he turns to stone and right. yeah and so for me immediately i thought it was an echo of the original series episode the man trap but remember remember the the there was an alien that was taking salt from everyone's body and that's what, right? Yeah, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, and it's just left them with the other base elements. 
Um, and we've seen other episodes. I think in TNG there was an episode early on uh, where they all were transformed into other into some other uh, beings because they were lured in by some. You know, it's it's the old siren idea of the uh, mermaids at sea, where sailors are lured in by the song and then they're. They're plundered. Uh, <laughs> the ship down. hits so, the rocks uh, and then they're done. The yeah. ship hits the rocks and they're and they're done, right? So, uh, and, and we know that when we see this, we're up for something. And then, and then, as this guy turns to stone, uh, there's this shadowy, menacing-looking figure who seems to be taking pleasure on the ridge. And so we're like, okay, so right. what the hell's going on? Because clearly, this person knows knows what's up. So uh, coming person or thing, person or thing. Oh, person or thing. Yes, yes, yes. I just I just knew it had eyes. It was big and scary and, and, it, yeah. and it had a smirk on his face. So I was just like, OK, all right, That's right. here we go. Genghis 4 is a remote planet which was believed to be uninhabited until indigenous silicate creatures called the Scrubble started turning Federation scientists into statues. So uh, we quickly yeah, find yeah, out yeah, that yeah. the Cerritos has been dispatched to uh, Genghis 4, a planet that was thought to be inhabited and in, in classic form and in so many different types of movies and, and shows, whether that be James Cameron's, you know, epic movie, you know, aliens, you, you arrive yep. on a planet, you, you think it, it's yep. yours and you find out there's a, an, an indigenous inhabitants and then there's a dispute. Look, we even saw that in Khan, uh, Wrath of Khan, you know, this is SETI Alpha 5. Uh, it's these creatures called Scrubble. And they've started to turn to the Federation scientists into statues when they arrive. That's a problem. Um, so the, the beauty of the Cerritos, and we talked about this last week, Anthony, with the naming of the California-class ships, where there was the, the Inglewood. Uh, they get into orbit, and they hook up with the USS Carlsbad, which is just south of Los Angeles, along your way to San Diego, for those who don't know. Yeah, it's just an, another community. So it's always a good running joke for those of us who live in Southern California. Yeah. Once again, we're cleaning up a mess for a bunch of outpost scientists. You know why these guys are always getting eaten, disappearing, or getting eggs laid in their chest? Because they're working on the frontier? Because they're weirdos! So what's happening is, is that, you know, Marin and the crew are going to have to be dispatched down there because they recognize that, they're, that there's an issue, and they're, they're there to um, move the scientist base and settle this uh, disagreement between uh, the indigenous inhabitants and the scientists and do a treaty at the same time. And of course, Ransom's in that meeting. He's complaining to Mariner, Mariner rather, about Lieutenant Commander Stevens and it's about how the scientists are always getting into trouble down there. Um, I love that Ransom is in there. You know, he's just, he's, He's such a bonehead, but at the same time, his exposition speaks to the canon of Star Trek. It's almost as if he said, gee, just give him a red shirt. They'll go down there and die. Like he's he's kind of our voice of exposition here. Yes. And, you know, it's always funny. Scientists in, in all shows are always purists. They go in <laughs> not yeah. thinking about the environment that they're in. They're there to do their job and it's all for the love of science but not always in touch with uh, the reality of the situation that they're in. Now that the Scrubble and the scientists have agreed not to attack each other, it's our job to set up a new base and remove these. Psychic minds, they read your thoughts and bring your fantasies to life, then turn you to stone. 
Be careful down there. Captain wants us to look good in front of the Carlsbad crew. Callie class gets real gossipy. Glad to see that our priorities are in the right place. So the mission here is to set up new a new research base and get rid of those <laughs> these green orbs that are there that they've identified as something that's threatening, but still they've got to they've got to navigate them because they're pretty powerful. Yeah. So these these little green orbs are like psychic minds. So they it reads your thoughts. And brings your fantasies to life, and then when they touch you, you turn to stone. <laughs> and then, yeah, then they turn you into stone. It's it's really wonderful. Yeah, so I'm just like, okay, okay. So we we got we have like a this is kind of a tall order. So how do you clean up orbs if you're uh, constantly, you know, your your mind is being mined, you know, another play on words right? by your own fantasies. The, the the other thing that comes to mind, and again, we've seen this theme in Star Trek a million times, but. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, when he meets Mysterio, kind of the same thing. Mysterio keeps throwing Spider-Man these these psycho images, and he's kind of lost in that imagery, and he doesn't know what's real. So that kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Yeah, and so this is where I, I, I had a little bit of an issue with this one. I mean, I you know, I still love uh, Lord Dex, of course, and I always find something enjoyable in every episode, but this is where there was kind of a plot hole for me. I'm just like, okay, so you send people down there with no protection and they're just going to clean up orbs and fantasies are all of, all of a sudden going to appear and you're not going to be able to tell what's real um, versus what's fantasy? Well, I don't think there's ever been a case in Star Trek history where they've gone to a planet completely prepared for what they're about to encounter. Uh, that's why we have the next 22 minutes. Um, but you're right. I think in this, but they're they're sloppy a little bit, right? And and then we kind of see this in the next block that this is kind of played out a little bit in terms of their reputation. We'll get to that. I'm starting my senior science officer training today. Well, look at you, getting all bridge ready. Ah! I've been priming so much, I'm afraid my brain's gonna explode with science! So, uh, Mariner, Rutherford, and Boimler um, are gonna go down to the planet, but Tindy's not going because she's about to be take part in her senior science officer training. So, here we're seeing, right. you know, as we've been discussing since the beginning of the season, that the characters yeah. are developing in various ways. And so we've, you know, right. Tindy, Tindy has her track and, and she seems like the, the type of person versus Boimler that would actually become an officer. And, and I, this is what I like about her is that while Boimler and Ransom to some degree, of course, and Mariner are always doing the wrong thing for the right reason. Tindy seems to be the one that's the anchor. She's the one that's like, no, I got my head screwed on straight. I know what I want, and I'm going to go for it. And that's what I like about her. And I, I listen, I'm going to admit this right now. I kind of have a crush on Tindy. She's kind of cute, right? <laughs> Even the green parts. She's a cutie. I, mean, I I liked her once I found out her backstory, that she was actually a, kind of a badass <laughs> on her planet. And she's basically... Right. Becoming, you know how sometimes people go to one extreme, go from one extreme to the other. Yeah. They all of a sudden realize, I don't want to be that person. But then the pendulum swings so far the other way that they become a shell of them for of their former selves. And so that that yes. was Tindy. Yes. But now I think she's pegged back to the middle. So, um, yeah, and she's still fun. And she's, you know, I, I would love to see her in Rutherford eventually find some kind of connection. I think that's still in the future. Lieutenant Commander Stevens, Ensign Kearns reporting. We're here to provide assistance from the Carlsbad. 
Great! You guys will dismantle and relocate the outpost equipment. Cerritos, you're gonna clear the area of fantasy rocks, which are still alive, so be careful. Uh, what do we do if our fantasies appear? Well, they should dissipate after a few hours, but if anything should try to tempt you, you know, think about Parisi squares. Meantime, Mariner and Boimler and Rutherford and Commander Stevens beam down to the planet, and the Lower Decks crew and Mariner are supposed to remove all those rocks and a detail from the Carlsbad are supposed to dismantle the research station. So they're down there. You've got two crews down there, and it gets kind of interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is something that really, really plays out nicely because you get this comparison uh, comparison between other California-class ships and their crews uh, versus yeah. the Cerritos. Uh, so, you know, Boimler's scared. He wants to know, you know, what will happen if their fantasies come to life? And what's really funny to me is that right. Commander Stevens kind of brushes his off and says, think about other things. Well, aren't the fantasies turning people into stone, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like, if you're thinking about other things, then that's the problem. Yeah. So I was just like, okay. So at any given time, it seems like your fantasy could touch you and you would turn to stone. How do you avoid that? So I was just like, oh, okay, I'll just go with it. But um, but the, <laughs> I'll just roll with it. But what I like, too, is what starts emerging here is the uh, competition, if you will, against uh, Cerritos and the Carlsbad. Uh, other crew, Carlsbad crew. And what we see pretty quickly is that the Cerritos reputation of, you know, skullduggery and messing around and maybe sloppiness and problems, they're starting to kind of see that in the way that the Carlsbad crew reacts to the Cerritos being there. In other words, the Carlsbad crew is like, Oh, yeah, those guys, we've heard about you. Okay, we'll take this. We got it. Yeah, your reputation precedes you. So they, you know, it, it appears that they're all business. Uh, they're they're there to work, not to screw around. And it, it becomes very, very clear. Mm. And in true fashion, you know, Mariner is actually rubbed the wrong way by the Carlsbad way team's attitude towards them, which is always a recipe for I, I think so. So Mariner's like, okay, I can I can spin this into a controversy. And I think here, you know, look, you and I both said this before we started recording this, Anthony, and I think our listeners should know this. This was not the most compelling episode we've seen uh, in the three seasons of uh, of, of Lower Decks. But well, the first the three episodes, time, for that matter. Yeah, first three episodes, right. But at the same time, what we are seeing is how these fully developed characters react in certain situations and i think that's the jewel here that's the gold is we know these people and so let's put them in a basic situation and see how they do and it's still it's still good it's not thrilling or terrifying but i still say it's good captains have big egos you need to cut through that and speak for science which is why you will be serving as a science officer trainee with Captain Freeman today. Isn't she busy with an important negotiation? Exactly. I want you to focus on getting the captain's attention. So uh, back on the ship, Tendi meets her mentor, a doctor, I can't pronounce it correctly, a Miglimo who looks like <laughs> Howard the Duck. Okay. You know? That's right. Yeah. Yep. That was the first thing I thought I was like, I oh. love that there's a duck, a talking duck and a talking cat. On the Cerritos. Yes, yes. So it's just like, okay, yeah. so more humor. I like it. I like it. So she's, yeah. it seems like Tindy's a bit disappointed with her training officer because he seems to have a real, you know, lax attitude towards, you know, 
you know, getting her prepared for this assignment. And her assignment is that she's going to be with Captain Freeman. And he's just going like, oh, just go with the flow. Speak up. It's about the science. Right. And she's she's not sure, right, about this arrangement. She just wants to jump straight into it. And, and she keeps saying, just give me the test. Just give me the test. And I like this because, and, you know, you and I have both come from mentor relationships. We've both been mentors. It's not about the final test. It's about proving your work, learning, and getting there. And that's what the mentor points out to Tindy. Is it's about being the voice of science. Um, and that's when she is informed that she's going to be serving as science officer with Captain Freeman. And I think that's what changes things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's one of those things that plays out in, in, in real life. Like you said before, you and I both have been mentors. And the thing about it is it's it. I, I kind of equate it to uh, learning how to drive a car. You have... You have to actually test the book, the book learning, but then there's nothing that's going to compare to, you know, actually, you know, having your learner's permit. That that period where you actually get used to how a car feels, how it actually stops and things like that. So uh, with that with that being said, the point is you have to get in there and live it. You can't just take a test behind it and know it. And the thing about Tindy I like is that she reminds me a little of Nurse Chapel on Strange New Worlds. She's eclectic. She's outgoing. She's got a great personality. But you get a great sense of her vulnerability. Um, I think both characters I truly love. And here is this duck pushing her to stand up to the captain and make her voice heard on behalf of science. Yes. (laughs) And I think... It's like, okay, this is going to go great or it's going to go terrible. Yeah. I mean, you're always left with a really good setup where you know more shenanigans are going to unfold in some shape or form. So I'm just like, okay, how is this going to play out? I guess we'll find out at some point. Hey, Samantha, you want to come over here and help me design some galaxy-class starship engines? Leah Brahms. No, man, no. Think about Parisi Squares. Think of Parisi Squares. This is your fantasy? Oh. Yeah, Dr. Brahms was instrumental in advancing warp field theory. I need a big brain engineer who can help me extrude some plasma and run some tests. No, no, leave me alone. This is where it starts getting fun. This It, it really did get fun at this point when we went back down to the planet. So, you know, Rutherford is removing an orb and engineer Leah Brahms... <laughs> Jordy LaForge's Wait, girlfriend is it, is that appears. A, yes, I knew it. And I knew I was like I was like, I know that name. And she was the virtual holodeck girlfriend that, that Jordy fell in love with, right? Yes, and she was this big time uh, I warp engineer. Yep. You know, who pioneered yep. some things that he admired, but as he used the holodeck to solve a pro- used the holodeck version of her to solve a problem, but then ended up following in love falling falling in love with her. And so, uh, yes, so that, that was it. kind of the thing. I was like, as soon as I saw her hair bun, I was just like, oh, yeah, I remember this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was easily. So, uh, yeah, for, <laughs> for me, it took a second for me to realize, oh, my God, that is her. And I love that they brought her back in. And, of course, it would be uh, Rutherford because Rutherford's an guy, <laughs> And a guy with an implant, right? So how fascinating is that? Yep, yep. And so, uh, so, so Boimler, yeah, go ahead. Boimler confronts him. Mm-hmm. about his fantasy he's like wait hang on a second others can see your fantasy yeah i was just like oh so this this is all weird because my fantasy can be seen by <laughs> other people standing near me this is weird so i was like okay this and they called it out yeah they called it out it was it was just a trip so yeah. um yeah i was just like okay so boimler snaps him out of it 
And but Mariner, meanwhile, is just like pissed, you know, because the Carlbad Carlsbad ensigns, you know, want to know, you know, she wants to know why they're so smug. And they were, they were pretty smug. And so, uh, yeah, you know, Boimler and, you know, reminds Mariner that the Cerritos has gotten into a lot of shenanigans and, and Rutherford and Boimler just kind of list them all out. And yeah, they just, they, they list them. They're like, wow, we did this. We did this. And I, I really tried to listen to hard to that because that's three years of shenanigans that they got into, which, and I bet if we go back and really listen on slow motion, there might be some Easter egg in there as well, but I didn't do it yet. Yeah, and the bottom line is is that um, as viewers of Lower Decks, we know that they've gotten into a lot of, shena- you know, just a lot of mishaps and that would make anyone, like, apprehensive about working with them. I mean, in real life, if, that were, if they were a crew in real life, I'd be like, oh, my God, I can't serve, serve on the Cerritos, <laughs> you know? They're always getting into things. But Mariner makes a proposal. Do the job better and faster than the Carlsbad crew. And and I like that because, look, it, for three seasons, we have felt like the Carl, excuse me, the, the Cerritos has been the redheaded stepchild of Starfleet. And they know it. And so they're looking at the Carlsbad crew like, shoot, they know it too. We've got a reputation. Let's prove them wrong. Let's work twice as hard as they're working. And that way we'll we'll show them that we're not the reputation that we have. And so off they go. Yeah. And so, of course, with them rushing and trying to get things done, something was bound to happen. And along the way, more fantasies appear. Uh, you know, so all of a sudden, you know, for Rutherford, this admiral comes riding yeah. up on a on a hover bike and says, "Come on, right. come with me. Let's go to it." You know, it's 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 come hilarious. on, let's go. It's your time. Yeah, and of course, of course, that would be right up Bormler's alley. You know, and um, yeah, what? <laughs> and then for uh, Mariner, this sexy blue Andorian woman appears, who's trying to entice her. And let's let's just put a pause right there. I didn't know that Mariner had a uh, fondness for the ladies. I know. And I kind of like that twist. <laughs> yes, yes. It, 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 yeah, I was just like, wow. But, but I guess that's the thing. Your fantasies really say a lot about who you are. So for Boimler, it's about promotions. For Rutherford, it's about getting yeah, out to Yeah, becoming captain. Yeah, well, yeah, becoming captain for Boimler. And for Rutherford, it's about, you know, geeking out with another engineer in the way that Jordan Little Forge did. Sure. And then here's Mariner. Yep. But you know, but Mariner's gonna deny it. She's, she's like, No. But here's the thing, like Mariner's like a pain in the ass. She's a rebel. We never thought of her as someone who's like, actually, I just want the love of a good woman. <laughs> so I mean, look, that threw me on my side. I, I liked it and it was surprising and I'm like you go, girl. Captain Mayor, please feel free to take this token of respect for your collection. Oh, I couldn't possibly, Captain Freeman. As the more senior officer, the statue's all yours. <laughs> take the statue, young man. <laughs> no, I couldn't impose. Take it. No, you. No, give it away. It's yours. So uh, back on the ship, Captain Freeman and the captain of the Carlsbad are preparing to, to uh, get this treaty signed between the two of them. And, uh, you know, yeah, Tindy's trying to, you know, speak to the captain unsuccessfully, and she's just, you know, you know, kind of mousing down. Right, um, and it, it's it's a it's disappointing, of course. Captain Freeman's rubbed the wrong way by the much younger, fresh-faced captain, and I think what we're seeing here is 
a power struggle both on the planet and on the Cerritos. And I think that that's real. And I like that too. These people are real and they mess with each other and there's a power struggle. Why not? Yeah, and, and but the power sp- struggle is all about a gift, you know? <laughs> the scrub will yeah. give her a rock of appreciation for setting up this treaty and then... No, you have it. Yeah, no, yeah. You yeah. It. Yeah. no, you take this it. Back no, you forth. take it. This is back and forth. You know, and, and Freeman's insulted because she was called a senior officer, <laughs> you know? And it was just kind of... Actually, it was kind of petty. Well, I, I still was trying to figure out why they were passing it back and forth. Why one of the other captains didn't take it. Like, what was going on there? I got a little confused. I, I think it was just the the fact that, you know, he was going to give it to, you know, to Friedman as as a senior officer, and she was trying to be generous and he wouldn't take it and didn't appreciate being called senior as in being old, which I oh. think played into her insecurities about um, this young captain because everybody seemed to be kind of young on their on their ship and she was intimidated by that because she mentioned it to some of the other officers wow these people are young um young fresh-faced captain but but still but but still i i still the only thing the only reason i felt at the end why this back and forth was happening and they're like you take it you take it you take it was to expose the scrubble rep and the scientist, right? So well, that comes later. That that comes because of an accident. Well, it, it does. Accident, it does. Yeah. It does. But I think that, and we'll talk about that. But I think that's the only reason why that was really happening. Because I never really got myself around why they were fighting to hand it back. I, I I I'm not sure if I buy the seniority argument. I think it was just like, no, I. Well, maybe you're right. Like I'm the senior officer. I'm giving it to you, kind of thing, right? Yeah, but you're correct too. It was a vehicle to set up for later on. I thought it was a a, a bit thin, but we'll go with it. We'll go yeah. with it. But uh, so okay, yeah. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Did you just dunk that fantasy rock? The hell were you thinking? Moving fast, sir. Getting the job done. Well, slow it down. These things are dangerous. They're not a bunch of dank basketballs. Well, we just wanted to make sure these Carlsbad guys didn't outpace us and make Commander Ransom look like an ineffectual leader. So back on the planet, you know. Things are really picking up fast because Bourne was trying to outrun his fa- <laughs> his fantasy is they're they're trying to you know clean up all these orbs, you, you know Leah Brahms keeps appearing the Andorian fantasy That's girls funny. just keeps taunting her yeah and um you know it's it's just it's just it's just getting out of hand yeah so Mariner's like come on over Carlsbad and Ensigns let's just see how uh how fast you can complete your work. Yep, and even they're getting flustered because now they're trying to speed up. Yeah, so it, it's it, there's right. like a full on competition here. So it is yeah. it is definitely a competition, right? They're they're messing with each other. Yeah, and so command uh, Commander Stevens comes over and he's trying to tell them, you know, be careful that kind of thing. And then Mariner, you know, mind plays him to to move faster too. Yeah, and so ultimately right. they break the so orbs. He, see, he grabs both. Yeah, he grabs two of them. Right? Yeah, and tries to you know slam dunk them. <laughs> And what happens? They completely shatter. They completely shatter. All these orbs shatter. So now they're in a sea of green haze. And uh, so now we're in trouble. We're we're really in trouble. Well, what happens is, you know, he's it's kind of like in Ghostbusters when they shut down the grid and exploded and all the ghosts right, came flying out right. of New York. And it becomes a big super you know, mess all, of mayhem. <laughs> and they're everywhere. And they're like, ah, 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 all the fantasies come out. Yeah. And... Uh, and they and, oh, they, and they're, really and they're blending. Is, is the, 
<laughs> they are. So Stevens is scooped up by a dragon and turns to stone, which I didn't see coming, but I loved it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, I mean, everything's going nuts. Uh, the the fantasies are now chasing them. And so now both crews are on the run. They're running and they're, you know, trying to flee yeah. them before they get turned to stone and they run into this cave. Okay, how long before these things dissipate? With those psychic minds broken? Who knows? We'll have to wait it out. <sighs> we are trapped in a cave and your commander is armless. I fear we will be penalized for this. No, I will. I made us rush. Why? We had all day. You guys were going so fast. We were, we were trying to speed up to beat you. <sighs> it's clear the Cerritos has a bad reputation. We didn't want to live up to it. So there they are in the cave, right? And what we've seen before is the competition. Cerritos versus the Carlsbad. And the Carlsbad's like, you know, uh, you know, Cerritos, you guys... We've heard about you. We're better. You get the sense that there was this we're better than you elitist attitude. So what do they do? The Cerritos crew just drops their shoulders and admits it's their fault because they were trying to beat Carlsbad. And what happens, Anthony? Well, I mean, the Carlsbad crew were only rushing to impress the Cerritos crew. We basically found out that they think... The Cerritos crew are the coolest because they, they their reputation, they get into all these crazy shenanigans, but at the same time, they come out heroes in the end. And so they think that they're the coolest ship in the fleet, at least among the California-class ships. So again, and I always do this, and I'm sorry, cut to Zoolander. When Zoolander's in trouble and he goes to Hansel's outfit and he goes, I was whack. No, I was whack. And they admit that they were jealous of each other and they become partners. And that's what we saw there. Zoolander. Check it out. <laughs> you can always get a Zoolander reference in. That's I'm trying to. A pretty interesting object for a pretty experienced captain. Captains? Captains? Maybe we should get to business. What do you say? Take the rock. You take it. No, no. Don't you dare. No, it's no. Just, Just take, take it. it. Take it. <laughs> so off we go to the ship. Yeah. So tell us about the ship. So, you know. Freeman and the the Carlsbad captain are, are chatting, and it's just like he didn't mean to disrespect her. He was just not into flashy gifts. So, um, but Freeman, which which again, Anthony, Anthony, I think that was a bit of a throwaway. Yeah, I don't think it resolved why they weren't giving it back and forth. I felt that that was a tad weak. Yeah, it, it was a it was a thin 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 story. Uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, it was a, a a vehicle. Yeah, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. It was a thin. It was a very very thin vehicle to to push the next get it story to the point. next point. Yeah, exactly. Which which is okay because we love this show. But you know, every so often you got to just get to the next thing. Yeah, square uh, square peg so it round hole it. That's why we're. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So so basically, and, and Freeman's insisting the rock is just a rock and nothing more. Yeah, and asked Tindy to scan it just to prove that it's just a rock. And Tindy finds some interesting readings there. But Freeman dismisses saying that the rock isn't interesting. And so the Freeman and the captain once again argue over who should take the Scrabble rock. And, and Tindy, walks, Tindy out. walks out of the room feeling as if she's like, screw this, I haven't been heard. Which, again, is perfect for her because she's like, look, guys, I'm better than this. 
I've done better and I want better. I, I, I love that. Well, the other Cali-class ships just do what they're told, but the Cerritos kicks ass. We kind of freaked out when we got this mission. We just wanted to show you that we could keep up. <laughs> you did more than keep up. You guys were crushing it. You know, so Tindy exits and, and, and leaves. I mean, feeling a bit defeated. But we jump back down to the planet and we're still in the cave with the Carlsbad and Cerritos away teams. And they're continuing to talk about how cool they think they are. But uh, the, the fantasies well, but are... But we flipped the script here. Yep. We flipped the script here. Carlsbad crew is now all about like, you guys are great. You're famous. We love you. Oh, my God. Which I didn't see coming. Yeah. And I, I thought that the, fam the funniest line was uh, they said the Cerritos is like the enterprise of the support ships. <laughs> of the support ships. Of course. Right. So you're the enterprise of the... D-class ships, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. That, that's kind of funny. It's kind of like you're the enterprise of the bench crew. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff out there that doesn't make sense. Hey, babe! <laughs> Does Jennifer wear hats? No, her antennae are too sensitive. <gasps> but I did overhear Levy mansplaining the difference between a pork pie and a fedora to some poor cadet the other day. These stones are recording way more than we thought. They quickly realize that uh, their, their fantasies are off. They've, they've taken on you know totally different personalities. It's like a mix of their fantasies. Right. So the, the fantasies aren't exactly accurate. And I'm not convinced that they ever were really enticed by them after the first couple of minutes in the episode. I think they know that they're fantasies and, and images and so forth. And so they're just like, now they're just ghosts that are chasing them. I think they have a better uh, view of it. What the f*** are you doing here? Weren't you supposed to start science officer stuff with Miglimo? Yep, first day. It's going great. Sh in the bed, huh? Yes, I think that's accurate. Ah, jeez. Are you about to cry? I just don't know if I'm cut out to be a science officer. I can't get the captain to listen to me. So, Tindy's back in sick bay with with the doctor. She's feeling defeated and, and uh, you know, is, is like, well, the captain didn't listen to me. And I thought this was really, really a, a, a cool moment and a funny moment at the same time because the uh, the doctor's dispensing all of this wisdom while needing to amputate someone's foot, a patient's foot. I, just... <laughs> I love it. And the guy's like, do you really have to amputate my foot? She's like, yep, it's coming off. <laughs> yeah. but uh, That was awesome. Yeah, but the doc gave, you know, Tindy some really good points. She said, you know, basically, you know, for all intents and purposes, studying the book, Taking the test is in real yeah. life. You you sometimes have to make a mess of things before you can fix them, and that you know I think that's a real yeah. a real life takeaway um, that we all have it, to. All that's have to, life. Yeah, that's life. Yeah, you you fall down seven and get up eight, which by the way isn't accurate because you should fall down seven and get up seven. We'll talk about that in another episode. But the point is, yeah. Yeah. It inspires Tindy to go back. Yeah. And the, the final point was you have to risk screwing up things before you can fix them. Because if you don't, if you it's don't. It's the only way you learn anyway. It's the only way you learn anyway. But if you, you have to accept the risk when trying to fix things that it might not be successful. But it's about the act of doing it that counts. Ah, cave bug! We've got cave bugs in here. Wait, look. I think this is a door? Huh. That's not a usual thing for a cave. Hey, there's an access panel over here. Whoa, what is this place? Don't know, but this is definitely the receiver. And some kind of storage device. So let's back. go back to the cave. They come across a door, 
where they find a giant orb where all their thoughts are being housed. And this seems to be like fantasy central or something. Yeah. So here's a turning point. So now there's a sinister motive. It appears that they're being data mined basically right, for their fantasies. And, and they discover, you know, upon really easy inspection that this tech is actually Federation tech and that, you know, it sets off alarms all over. Oh, yeah. It appears the Scrubble and the scientists are working together. It's pretty pretty clear at that point that they, everything right. is and not it, as, it, as it seems. And, again, I, all I ever do is go back to, you know, canon. And in, in Next Generation, this is when we find out that the aliens are working with the admirals to try to uh, take over the Federation uh, when they you know, insert themselves into the back of people's heads and they're eating worms. Oh, my oh, God. So. I remember that. That there was crazy. They had to blow up someone's yep. head in that one. That was the first, like... That's right. The guy, <laughs> his head had literally exploded. Yes. Right. I was just like, oh, they actually they actually did yep. that. That was pretty so, crazy. Never, never give up on a symbiont human relation because that's always going to be a good enemy. What is wrong with you? Just take the thing and stick it in the closet like everybody else. I'm not going to be the captain who wouldn't let Carol Freeman have a peace treaty game. If someone doesn't take it, we're not signing the treaty. Someone just take the damn thing so we can get this over everybody with. stop yelling. I'm having flashbacks. Hold on, everyone stop, stop, stop. We just got back from the planet. Mariner, we have to stop this. Hell are you it's doing? true, Commander. Just we take the wrong. Take the wrong. Shut up. <gasps> So we get back up to the treaty signing and Freeman is still arguing with the other captain, which is basically jeopardizing uh, the signing. The uh, everything, <laughs> the scrubble and the uh, signs are just looking at each other like, what the yep. hell? Um, yeah. You know, and, you know, you know, basically chaos ensues and, you know. And then yeah. deus ex machina right here. Mar- uh, Mariner and the away team just bang right in. Stop everything. Stop shut up and smashes the rock that's my you know you can't do this without a deus ex machina nope you cannot you cannot and so it reveals that there's there's tech inside there and it's spy tech it's listening to their communication so um we find out that basically we, we confirmed that the scrubble and the scientists are working working together uh, their intent was to sell starfleet intelligence on the black market <laughs> the scientists wanted more equipment and it, they wanted more equipment, and they wanted the scrubble. You know, wanted more rocks. Yeah, I thought we just want more rocks. <laughs> they just wanted more rock, That's, which isn't the planet yeah. all rock. It, that, that didn't make sense, but Beautiful. but that was the the whole point. It was just stupid. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, later on, everybody's all uh, down in I guess what would be the equivalent of ten forward on the Enterprise. And how is Stevens back? Right, it's. This is like Shaxx. This is like he killed Kenny, but Kenny shows up next week. People don't seem to die in Lower Decks, and I love that. How is he back? Who cares? He's back. He <laughs> with two broken arms. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's brilliant. Couldn't have done it without a great mentor. Why, thank you, Tendy. I must admit, this new rule rather suits me. <clears throat> Carol? I need to apologize for my behavior today. I, I hope you don't think less of me. Well, you and the Carlsbad team impressed the hell out of me. Wow, we had no idea anyone talked about the Cerritos. Well, maybe not across the fleet, but you're definitely Cali-class famous. Tindy acknowledges that, you know, she needed to be pushed, and, um, you know, and then it ends basically with the Carlsbad and Cerritos, Cerritos instance hanging out at the end. Yeah, and, I and uh, you know, I, I, I love a good... I was whack. You were whack. Back to Zoolander. 
oh my God, I was wrong. You were wrong. The, the, the Carlsbad crew seemed so cocky and to know that they were just like, actually, we were intimidated by you. What that does is, <clears throat> I, I listen, psychologically, I'm fascinated by this show because the Lower Decks crew are such ne'er-do-wells. They're the redheaded stepchild of the, of the fleet. And yet they have to remind us at episode three and maybe episode six <clears throat> that that they're actually a lot more important than we even think because somebody else admires them and it's knock them down, bring them back up, knock them down. Whatever they're doing, they're doing it right. I love it. Yeah, and of course the Lower Decks, a Mariner and the Lower Decks crew are really more of a reflection of how it really operates in a, in a work environment, to be honest. This, this is the way it really plays out. Uh, unless you're sitting in the executive class, you know, in, in, in my way on a, on a, on a TV show, you know, the higher ups, it, it really does play out. The higher ups are more serious and more straightforward. Whereas like all the rank and file on a, on a production are more like the Lord X crew. All right. So th- this episode wasn't, wasn't terribly complex and there weren't really that many storylines. So why don't we just go with the uh, the top moments? The, the top only moment. top moment. The top okay. moment. My top moment was a theme, and that was the opening of the show. We opened with an away crew surveying a strange planet, uh, being seduced by an orb which represented itself as a past echo of a lost love or a crush, and then turn to stone. In my opinion, that's pure Star Trek. And this episode, by the way, Anthony, aired on Star Trek Day, September 8th, the 50, 56th episode, 56th year anniversary of Star Trek. And there they are opening up with a familiar theme. And I, that's what I loved. I, I think my number one is just like the, the fantasies playing out because I, I, I like the fact that uh, the fantasies actually gave more insight into who each of our lovable characters are. So, you know, the the execution of that, you know, satisfied me a lot because I'm just like, oh, okay, that was not what I expected, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> so that, that completely nice. worked. So in honor of Star Trek Day, September 8th, they released a teaser for uh, Picard Season 3. And Anthony, it did not disappoint... Oh no! Oh my gosh! Oh, I I was so excited. I mean, this this looks so epic. I'm talking about I'm talking about movie quality epic, and um, there were just so many uh, surprises in there. This message is for Admiral Jean Luc Picard. We need your help. We need your help. I need to find the ship. We need to find a ship. Now, I can't ask you to put yourself in danger. Since when? Jean-Luc, wherever you go, we go. Hello, beautiful. Permission to come aboard, Commander. 
Permission granted, sirs. Welcome to the Titan. Why don't you do us the honor, Commander? Engage. Well, first of all, we knew this was coming. They're going to... Uh, look, in season one, Patrick Stewart said definitively, this is not the next generation reunion. Okay, fine. But season three, it is. And that's fine. We've got Worf and Beverly and Jordy and all these folks coming back. And there's something serious going on because they're all like, we got to fix this, but we just don't know what it is they're fixing. Yeah, so it starts kind of like with a distress call in, and clearly it's Beverly Crusher reaching out to Jean-Luc Picard. And uh, we're like, okay, so we, we've set up some stakes here. Beverly Crusher's in trouble, and we see her with a phaser. So something happened. Maybe she was on some kind of mission that they got in trouble, and now she's looking to the one person that, that she can actually trust, and of course that's Jean-Luc Picard. And that's a theme, right? He's always the one to come save everybody. And... We see the assemblage of our former crew. Jordy's there, and Worf is there, and of course, uh, Riker and Troy, and as you mentioned, Beverly in the beginning. Uh, but then there's a moment where they're looking at the screen and they're gazing at something, and Riker says, Hi, I missed you. And they, re- they reveal the Titan, but I'm going to predict... I'm going to put this prediction out right now. And by the way, Energize will absolutely cover Picard season three. Oh, 100%. But I'm predicting right now, I'm predicting right now that they're not looking at the Titan. They're looking at the Enterprise. Yes. And this comes after uh, Picard reaches out to Riker. They're sitting in a bar somewhere and he says, we need a ship. Yep. And so we we get to that moment where they say, hello, gorgeous, because they're in a shuttlecraft. But uh, we'll see what they actually are looking at. It's not the Titan. Yeah. It's not the Titan. Yep. They show the Titan with Seven of Nine as the captain. It's not the Titan. Yep. It's going to be the Enterprise. Yep. So like you said, so they walk on board and it's Commander Seven. And she says, welcome aboard, sirs. Yeah, th- this is awesome because it, 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 I think what's really cool is that at the end of season two of Picard, um, we see her sitting in the chair. Picard commissions her right then and there. And she's been denied uh, because she used to be well, she was bored. bored, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, if anyone's going to understand, it's going to be uh, Picard because mm-hmm. he was Locutus. Yeah, you know, Locutus the Borg. And so, uh, it's good to see her in the captain's chair. So, this is going to be epic. I think it was a, a great teaser to whet our appetites because we still have freaking four months. <laughs> I know. They, what they say February twenty twenty three. February. Yeah. So my question yeah. is. Now that uh, Gerardi became the Borg Queen, and that seems to be settled, who's the villain? There's no Q. There's there's no Borg Queen. Who but are they the, fighting? I, but at the, at the end of season two, though, there was a new nemesis. That's why they joined forces. The Borg and the Federation. Which was? We don't know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Who is it? Yeah. Well, we will. We'll find out. But they. But bravo. This is what they needed to do on Star Trek Day. And I was watching live, and Patrick Stewart reiterated that point that you made earlier, that this is not 
a next generation reunion. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. but it, it is, is, but it doesn't. It is. I guess it's not going to play out like, all right, I'm going to recruit my, I'm going to recruit my ship. So that wraps up this edition of Energize. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can catch us uh, and all of our episodes, whether that be from Strange New Worlds or Lower Decks, on our website, uh, www.energizepodcast. That's plural.com. So energizepodcast with an S.com. I'm Anthony McLemore. I'm Steve Truitt. Live long and prosper.